0: Good afternoon, everyone. I'm here to provide an update on COVID-19 in Alberta with Dr. Hinshaw. The data we're sharing today is from Tuesday, May the 31st to Monday, June the 6th, and it was posted yesterday online as usual. If you've looked at the numbers, you know that there's a lot of good news. I'm pleased to report that all the data including our PCR positivity rate and wastewater surveillance shows a continued trend of declining COVID transmission in the province. Between May 31st and June 6th, our average PCR test positivity rate was about 15%. That's a decrease of 2% from the previous week. As well, wastewater levels continue to trend down. They're down to or near the level before Omicron in many communities. The levels are higher in Edmonton and Calgary, and the levels fluctuate from day to day, but they continue to trend down. The result is that COVID admissions are down sharply. In fact, this is the lowest number of total hospitalizations we've seen since the peak in the initial Omicron wave and the lowest number of ICU admissions we've seen since August. Overall, the wave of patients that strain the system is beginning to ease. In the smaller regional centers, patient numbers, and total occupancy are at or below the levels in the years before the pandemic. The numbers are still high in Edmonton and Calgary, with a few sites over 100% occupancy, but the levels are beginning to ease there as well. There should be relief for the staff in the coming weeks as the Omicron BA2 wave continues to recede. And once again, to all of our frontline healthcare workers, I'd like to say thank you. Now, two weeks ago, I said that available data seemed to indicate that the BA2 wave was nearly behind us. Today, we can see that we are past this wave and in a period of declining transmission. Barring the arrival of any new variant or subvariant that behaves differently, we expect to see low transmission rates throughout the summer, especially as more activities move outside. I hope that every Albertan has the opportunity to get out and enjoy the splendor of our province this summer and the weeks ahead. As we said before, we expect COVID to become more of a seasonal occurrence with higher rates in the colder months similar to the annual flu season. Our teams at Alberta Health and AHS are, are already looking ahead to the fall and winter and making plans for a potential rise in COVID and influenza cases then. And I can assure you, we will be prepared. In the meantime, we'll keep working to add capacity to our healthcare system. It was subject to too much strain even before COVID, and obviously the pandemic has added to it, both by adding patients and by straining the staff we need to care for them. Let me give you just one point to show you how big the disruption has been and why we're seeing so much strain right now. Before COVID, we normally saw right around 2 million emergency visits a year in this province. In 2021, that dropped by a quarter, and it stayed down by about 10% through last year. That means 700,000 visits that would normally happen just didn't happen. So now some of those patients are coming in, and they're sicker than they would have been otherwise. And that's on top of the cases of COVID itself right now, and a late season, flu, and other viruses, and all the other things that bring waves of patients into our system. The care deficit is real. It's a huge challenge for the system, and it's the same right across our entire country. The strain is not because we're cutting the budget or staff. It's the opposite. We're adding them. AHS has 800 more staff working in emergency than before the pandemic and 230 more paramedics. But the emergency departments and EMS are still under strain here and right across the country. It's been a tough few months on top of a tough, very tough two years. But the system is catching up. And we'll do more as a current wave recedes. The surgery wait list is around 72,000 most recently compared to 68,000 before the pandemic. Cancer screening is one of those services that saw volumes drop early in the pandemic. But the staff and clinicians have worked hard to get patients back in. And screening levels last year were almost back to normal levels. And we'll keep adding capacity right across the system. We'll get EMS response times back within AHS's targets where they were until last summer when volume started to surge. And we'll get the surgery wait lists down, not just to where they were before COVID, but lower. We'll do that by continuing to resource the system to add capacity and by hiring and training more healthcare workers. There's a lot more to do, and I know things are still very tough, especially for the people working in the big hospitals in downtown Calgary and in Edmonton. But we're getting past the current wave of covid And we're putting the resources into the system to support recovery and to build an even stronger health system than we had before COVID. So thank you. And I'll now ask Dr. Hinshaw to provide her update.
1: Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon, everyone. I would like to remind Albertans that it continues to be important to stay home if we are feeling even a little bit unwell and we encourage employers to help facilitate employees staying home if sick to reduce the transmission of any virus wherever possible. This is why I'm joining today's update remotely. While the focus of these updates is COVID-19. I would like to begin today with an update on an emerging public health matter, monkeypox. I can confirm that in total, as of today, four cases have been identified in Alberta. These adult individuals are self-isolating And I want to express my appreciation for their assistance with contact tracing and investigation. At this time, the overall risk of contracting monkeypox remains low in Alberta. However, it is important to be aware that most, but not all, cases in the recent global outbreak have been seen in men who reported sex with multiple male partners. This means that there may be an elevated risk in that community right now. We've reached out to organizations across the province serving this community and after receiving feedback, have provided them information to best support them and outreach to their members. I want to be clear that this specific outreach does not mean that this virus can only impact one community. We are working with these organizations and sharing this current risk factor information to ensure that people have accurate, timely data about the outbreak. This is not being done to shame or stigmatize anyone. And it does not mean that anyone who has contracted monkeypox or is a close contact has done anything wrong. Monkeypox is mainly spread by close skin to skin contact by some, with somebody with symptoms or by touching things contaminated with the virus, such as sharing clothes or bedding. It is critical that anyone experiencing symptoms such as fever, swollen glands, new sores, or a rash self isolate and call HealthLink at 811. These are common symptoms, and most people with these symptoms will have another cause. However, being aware of these symptoms is particularly important for anyone who has recently had a new sexual partner, or anyone who believes they have been in prolonged close contact with someone with monkeypox. I want to underscore the importance of not shaming or stigmatizing any one group, and at the same time providing accurate information so people can make informed choices about their health. Turning to today's COVID update... Between Tuesday, May 31st, and Monday, June 6th, our PCR test positivity ranged from 13.1% to 17.1%, with an average of 15.1% for the week. As Minister Copping mentioned earlier, the number of people with COVID-19 in hospital has decreased. Currently, there are 816 people with COVID, including 24 in the ICU. This is a decrease of about 20% over the past two weeks. Sadly, between May 17th and May 23rd, 42 deaths related to COVID-19 were reported to Alberta Health. I would also like to report that following a recent review, as per our usual process, 33 previously reported COVID deaths between October 2021 and April 2022 have been reclassified as non-COVID and removed from our total. As a result, this week the total number of reported deaths from COVID Have increased by 9 to 4,597. We must never forget that this number represents thousands of Albertans who were loved by their family and friends and are greatly missed. My sympathies are with the loved ones of these Albertans and with anyone grieving the loss of someone they cared about, no matter the cause. As the Minister said, we are continuing to see a decrease in the number of our indicators and we know that we have the benefit of the summer season on our side to further drive down transmission. However, that being said, it is important that we remember that learning to live with COVID does not mean forgetting about it. COVID-19 is still present in our communities and can pose a risk to us, our loved ones, and our healthcare system if we let it. We only need to look at our data to see that there are still cases across the province And while fewer by the day, there are still many Albertans who are seriously ill. I want to remind Albertans who have not yet been vaccinated or who have not received all doses they are eligible for that vaccines, without a doubt, continue to be our best protection. Currently, less than 50% of Albertans have received the third dose that they are eligible for. It's if it has been five months since your second dose and you're 12 years of age or older, I encourage you to get your third dose today. As we think about our plans for the coming months, we need to continue to reflect on the information available to us and make decisions based on our own personal context. This means considering wearing a mask at times when transmission is higher, or when gathering with loved ones who are at higher risk of severe outcomes. In addition, it will always remain vital that all of us remember to continue good habits that will serve us well as we continue to live with COVID and other infections such as washing our hands regularly and avoiding being around others if we're sick. By continuing to take simple actions every day, we can continue to protect one another. Thank you, and we're happy to take questions.
2: Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, no one in person here in Edmonton or, I think, in Calgary, so we'll go straight to the phones. I think we have three reporters online, so Operator will take the first one, please. Adam Toy,
3: Global. Uh, yeah, question for the Health Minister. Just wanted to clarify a comment that if. Uh, you said earlier that um, we're at a lo- the lowest number of total hospitalizations pre-Omicron. It, did I hear that correctly? And, and I'm just wondering if that's actually the case, because the, the data would seem to indicate otherwise.
0: Yeah, so, so the, the, the numbers um, we are right now is at uh, uh, 816 in terms of total hospitalizations. So that is, you know, significantly lower than we've seen in regards to uh, uh, earlier periods dealing with uh, Omicron.
2: Thanks, Adam. Do you have a
3: follow-up? Question, uh, open question for uh, for either the Health Minister or the Chief uh, Medical Officer of Health. Uh, I'm just wondering about uh, confidence in um, surveilling uh, emerging variants uh, as they come along. Um, I noticed on the... the, um, the data dashboard that there is now a handful of cases over the last number of weeks that have uh, been tested positive for the BA four and the BA five. Um, as as more uh, variants ine- inevitably come about, are, are you confident that uh, restricting PCR testing and variant testing to only those who are in high risk settings or are at high risk for complications is going to be enough to be able to catch? Uh, potentially more uh, serious uh, variants in the future, do we have enough surveillance?
1: Maybe I can take that question. Um, So what's important to remember is that public health surveillance is something that has been done for many, many years, and there is a science to public health surveillance about how to set up representative systems to be able to understand what is circulating in the community. And when we expanded our PCR testing eligibility very broadly early in the pandemic, I want to be clear that the main purpose of expanding that eligibility was not actually for surveillance. There was a side benefit of being able to have uh, access to, to large amounts of data. But at that time, our main goal of expanding that eligibility was to detect as many cases as possible and to put in measures around cases and contacts to contain the spread as the virus has evolved and as the incubation period has grown shorter, the virus has become more infectious. It is simply not possible to contain the virus with the use of broad PCR testing. And so what we're doing right now with respect to using wastewater surveillance, as well as using geographically representative community surveillance of PCR swabs, um, as well as the PCR tests that come in through emergency departments and hospitals, is a good representation of what is circulating in the community and would help us understand what the the strains are that are driving transmission. So, uh, yes, I believe that our current approach is sufficient to be able to help us understand what is circulating and to respond to new strains as they emerge.
0: And if if I can add, you know, this this approach is similar to what's being taken in all other jurisdictions across Canada right now.
2: Okay, thanks, Minister and Dr. Hinshaw. We'll go to the next caller, please.
4: Matt Woodman, CTV.
2: Hi there. Uh,
3: my questions for Dr. Hinshaw. We've heard from at least one organization that received one of these monkeypox fact sheets in an email. They they feel that they are being stigmatized similar uh, to the HIV-AIDS crisis. So what do you say to these organizations to reassure them it's not about shaming, it's about public health?
1: I would say first of all, that I'm very sorry that uh, that that caused um, that that particular fact sheet caused that. That was certainly not the intent. We did try to get feedback from several organizations about the wording and the language um, and did our best to balance the need for timely dissemination of accurate information um, with the consultation with several representative groups. But I absolutely understand that groups who didn't have that opportunity to provide feedback in the content. Um, may feel that uh, they would have wished that we had framed things differently. We are continuing to engage with organizations and welcome their feedback. And if there are ways that we can speak about this that provide accurate information about current risk factors so people can uh, take control over their own health without stigmatizing, uh, we absolutely welcome that feedback and we'll continue to work to do our best to not stigmatize and at the same time provide current, accurate information.
2: Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, Matt, do you have a follow-up?
1: I do, yeah. I'm curious to know why we haven't been
3: releasing the areas in the province where these cases live, similar to when COVID cases were first emerging in Alberta. We would provide, you know, say the city of Calgary or the city of Edmonton, but we haven't seen that from the province yet. Why not?
1: Uh, Early on, when we have very small numbers of cases, we do uh, sometimes... um, choose to not speak about the locations to uh, minimize the chance of any kind of uh, confidentiality breach. Uh, So that's something that we continually evaluate about the importance of transparency against the importance of making sure that people's individual health information is kept uh, private. And so we will continue to assess and if uh, we reach that point where it's important to be able to provide that geographical information, uh, we will do so. At this point, what's important to know is that individuals uh, who are um, experiencing any of the symptoms of monkeypox, uh, and again, the most likely explanation would be something else, but that they should seek medical attention um, and be evaluated in case they have been in contact, and again, in close contact with somebody
4: who had the infection.
2: Thanks, Dr. Anshah. Operator will go to the next caller, please.
4: Josh Aldridge, Calgary Herald.
5: Uh, good afternoon. my first question uh, is for Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, just, just to kind of follow up on that, it's almost more clarification that I'm looking for when it comes to uh, to monkeypox. You said in other jurisdictions, it's showing up in a very specific demographic. The, the four cases in Alberta, are, are they part of that demographic as well? Or are, and is there a concern or uh, potential for us to start seeing monkeypox in other jurisdictions, or in other demographics, uh, in the population, or are those cases more rare than the uh, demographics that we
2: are currently seeing?
1: What we know about the global outbreak is that uh, individuals who have um, had very close contact with multiple other individuals, and in this particular outbreak, many of the cases have been individuals who report having multiple sexual partners. Uh, it's This is not a sexually transmitted infection, but it is one that can be spread through close physical contact. Uh, And so in this particular case, again, that's why we are sharing that information with um, groups in Alberta who, uh, and again, this is not um, limited to individuals who are men reporting sex with other men. Uh, This could be anyone who's having close physical contact with multiple other people. Uh, And so the infection, because it does spread through that close direct contact, uh, is something that could spread to other people, other groups. Um, and what we want to do is provide information to anyone who um, might be at risk of being in close contact with somebody who has the virus. So people can make decisions about their own health at this particular time. And, and of course, if the information changes in terms of where we are seeing cases, we would share that information Uh, And this virus is absolutely not limited to any one particular group.
2: Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Is there a Uh, follow-up?
5: Yes. And this is, um, again, with uh, Dr. Hinshaw, but uh, going back to COVID, uh, you you talked about the need to get vaccinated and to to get your doses. Could we see the potential for the uh, parameters of a fourth dose open up further than what they are? Uh, for those who are wanting to get that fourth dose to protect themselves even more uh, than what they currently are able to against uh, further waves uh, or further strains of COVID-19.
1: We are working with the National Advisory Committee and our Alberta Advisory Committee to understand um, their assessment of the current evidence on who benefits most from that additional dose of vaccine uh, the last conversation we had with our Provincial Advisory Committee and the data that we looked at in Alberta indicated that people who were under the age of 70, uh, we're not seeing increased risk of severe outcomes if they had that third dose or that first booster. And we do continue to watch the data and listen to what the National Advisory Committee recommends if the National Advisory Committee and Provincial Advisory Committee Uh, change their recommendations. We will, as we have always done, listen carefully to what they recommend. Uh, But to date, again, their advice has been to focus the second booster on those who are at the highest risk of severe outcomes for whom that third dose does not appear to be providing sufficient protection at this time.
2: Thanks, Dr. Inshall. We'll take one last caller. Uh, So operator, can you put through our last call, please? Lisa Johnson Edmonton Journal.
4: Hi, thanks for taking my question. This is for the minister. I'm I'm wondering if you can respond to some AHS numbers that the NDP released today. Um, they say that for the first time, ambulances from St. Albert, Spruce Grove, Fort Saskatchewan, and Strathcona County responded to more calls in Edmonton than in their own communities in, in 2021. Based off those numbers, I'm wondering if you have specific concerns about this imbalance between ambulances being dispatched more often away from their their home communities rather than the other way around from edmonton to the outlying communities yeah
0: so thanks for the question i do recognize that this is an issue and my my understanding in terms of the data that was being presented was uh last year twenty one twenty two versus the year private pre, previously which is 2021 uh and and that that is the case uh, that you know as especially as we had the numbers increase last uh, august um thirty yeah, percent increase in call volumes. Um you were you seeing um, to be able to respond to those uh, those call volumes and the and the longer wait times that we had it in our emergency departments, um, pulling in ambulances from outside of the major centers. Uh, so we've you know that's part of the reason why as as part of budget 2022 we invested 64 million dollars uh, into our EMS system. Uh, that included uh, 10 new ambulances in uh, in Edmonton and they're coming online. A number are going to be coming online at the uh, uh, the end of this month and and uh, and then a number number more uh by september so you know you know this total of uh, uh, 20 in, in in uh in calgary and Edmonton that we committed to in the budget will have 19 up and running by uh, september so that will help uh alleviate that as well as that there's there has been changes recently and this is you know part of the 10-point plan that ahs put out uh, that was announced in february uh to be able to try to change our the the rules in regards to uh, calling ambulances so that if an ambulance from outside the city is called in to uh, Uh, Edmonton for example um, that unless it's a urgent call they would be dispatched back to their home territory as opposed to staying in Edmonton to be able to reduce the amount of times that's coming in and and as well um, I appointed an advisory committee Uh, they made some recommendations um, 10 recommendations the uh, the ministerial advisory committee to to address this exact issue so for example um, community response unit pilot in Strathcona uh, county uh the maintaining you know units in Strathcona County that will not go into Edmonton similarly in Spruce Grove uh, a pilot that we're running there that, that would enable uh so the, the the firefighter paramedics to attend calls uh, and bring them to the, the to the hospital, uh, but but primarily to, be able to provide more resources. So all of that combined, you will actually see those uh, those numbers drop. And and uh, I haven't got the data in front of me right now, but if we probably looked over the last few months, it probably dropped already. I know uh, when we did an assessment in uh, in Calgary uh, a number of weeks ago, uh, the numbers of ambulances being called from around the Calgary area uh, into Calgary uh, had declined significantly, and we're keeping them more in the home. So we do. Recognize recognize uh, that was an issue. I, I'm not surprised that the data, when you compare last year, uh, the government year ending in, uh, uh, in April of 22 to the year previous to that, that there was an, uh, an increase of uh, ambulances being called in to the centers. We recognize that and we're addressing it.
2: Thanks, Minister. Uh, Lisa, a follow-up?
4: yeah thanks I, the last time we had an update on this i know the ahs was working to fill 40 primary care paramedic positions can i wonder if you can give an update on that and if the ems advisory committee has has started to consider um any of the recommendations from the hsaa um i know that they had recommended very specifically or had called for very specifically um for casual temporary contracts to be bumped up to full-time, um, as you're familiar with those calls, and and uh, essentially trying to deal with uh, problems of getting paramedics off their shifts on time to deal with burnout. Um, have those been discussed by the committee?
0: So I, I don't know I at this point in time. Uh, the committee is, uh, is going to be uh, providing with me a uh, – a interim report. Uh, I haven't had a chance to take a look at that yet, but that's uh, I expect that any uh, any day now um, uh, and look at that. And that and so I'm not sure whether that's going to be part of the interim report or a part of the final report. We did have a separate subcommittee set up to look look exactly at. Just that issue, in terms of you know uh, ability to retain uh, paramedics, so one of the issues that was identified by one of these subcommittees uh, is that you know paramedics, it's it's a, a challenging job, um, that there is a burnout um that people are you know the the length of a career as a paramedic has actually declined over time uh and so how do we keep people there so they're looking at that i know one of the items that they're looking at is it was also part of the ahs 10 point plan uh was dealing with uh worker fatigue uh in a different model uh in terms of managing that particularly in rural areas so i'm looking forward to uh reviewing the interim report uh and then we'll be able to take a look and see whether that's part of that but there's like their work is ongoing um and a final report is due in july
2: Thanks, Minister. uh, And thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. We'll wrap it up there. Uh, We'll see you again for an update in a couple of weeks. Uh, And just one note, uh, I heard at one point early in the Q&A that the live feed might have been cut. Uh, Reporters, I presume you heard the answer because I was hearing it in here. But obviously, uh, reporters particularly, if we missed or you missed any part of an answer, please follow up separately and we'll fill in any gap. So thanks very much again. And uh, that's it for now.
0: Thank you.